Welcome back to this week's episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me. This week we are continuing the discussion from last week on Psalm number 62. And Dietrich is talking about what it means when he's when David writes, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to jump right in. We pray that this episode is fulfilling for you and it's going to end with just our regular closing. So that's going to be it. Let's head over to the guys and we thank you for tuning in for today's episode. And how do we seek him out according to this sermon? First word I would say is solitude. By ourselves. Shut out the world. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily recommend a church unless it's like 11, a, 11 p.m. or something because somebody will come along vacuuming or something. Yeah. But, yeah. So he, I'm looking at the top of page 28, um, end of, well, bottom of page 27. My soul finds rest in God. What does that mean? It is so great and holy, yet must one speak of it in human terms? He says, he says it is like the innocent child on his mother's breast, quiet and fulfilled, with all his needs met and at rest. It is like a boy satisfied when he has seen his hero or his leader, like the crying child who feels the touch of his mother's hand on his forehead so that all his troubles go away and he is at rest. Like the little girl with all her worries gone when she thinks of the coming of her first child, like the man whose passion and unrest are stilled by the glance of his beloved, like the friend in the gaze of his true friend, like the patient at rest before the doctor, like the elderly person rested in the face of death, and like all of us standing in reverent respect before the silence of the nature beneath a starry heaven, thus should our our soul be at rest from its turmoil and wildness and hate before the eye of God. Here all thirst is quenched, here pleasure becomes blessedness, longing finds its fulfillment, the hectic activity of the day finds rest in the protecting shadow of God's hand. The burdens and the troubles of the day fall away and become free and restful in the sight of God and shed shed in silence and worship and adoration. My soul finds rest in God. So you're before God in a... So our soul, so what he's saying is that our soul finds rest, our soul finds peace when you're in a... All of these positions are in a position where... Because I remember like... I remember, I think I resonate a lot. Nick, you can probably resonate with this because uh, you, you just got married. But when he says that he's like, uh, where is that? He says like the, uh, da, 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 oh my gosh, where'd it go? Passion and unrest are stilled by the glance of his beloved. Yes, there it is. Like the man whose passion and unrest are stilled by the glance of his beloved. That moment but, in your wedding when you say to yourself, Oh my God! What have I done? <laughs> no, that's. And not. then she looks at you, and you melt before her. Yes, that moment. Yes, that moment, right? Because I remember, I remember when, uh, when I saw Brandy turn turn the corner because of our the way that our uh, sanctuary was that we got married. I remember she. So she's really short, right? So I couldn't see her as she was coming behind. I could see her dad, but I couldn't see her. And it's because everyone else was standing, and Brandy Brandy sits or stands like barely up to anyone's chest, so I can't see her. And so she turns the corner, and literally it was like something right out of a movie, where like all of the the music just kind of drowns, and she's walking to me, and it's silent, and all that I see is is her. 
And I think that that's, I think that that's kind of where he's getting at. Like everything else kind of drowns away. Everything else goes away because God is, God has come to you. God has come to you. You're not seeking it out. Um, I do not, no, no matter how much that I think that I sought out my wife, um, that she, she was a gift, uh, and she came to me. And so I think that's, that's a Beverly Hillbillies episode before your time. Where Granny says, "Yeah, you, you you let him chase you until you catch him." Right, right, right. <laughs> right. You let the guy think he's chasing you, and then you spring yeah. a trap on him. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me that each of the situations he describes are um, the the good state, the comfort state, the rest state required a crisis state. Something made you restless, something made you anxious, something caused you to want to cry, to be in pain, and you knew where to turn. Yeah. What are the what are those what are those things that make that make that heart restless, that make it uneasy, that make it what are those things? What are those things in our lives? And 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 you listener too. I mean like what are what are the things in your life that, that make that would you say would you say distracted is a good word? distract you that that preoccupy you that make you worry that make you all eyes turn where the, to the point where you say I have to go find God you think everything if everything if you think everything in life is going great how often are you going to look for God's peace you're, you're not right you're, you think everything's great um, and so like pastor said something something has to cause uh, a crisis so. has to happen for you to seek God's peace because we are human and we don't seek God's peace. Um, yeah. I think that's probably why a lot of people that we meet here say that going to prison was the best thing that ever happened to them because, and we mentioned this before, every, everything, when everything is taken away, you have no choice. <laughs> you have no, there's nothing else. You've often said that's kind of the way with, you know, how do you know this is God's calling? Well, there's no other options for you. <laughs> and so you have... So it has a, to sort be of God's a black will. church comment from when I was a pastor at St. John. I would hear the ladies say something like, "You don't know, you don't know Jesus until you have nothing but Jesus." But don't don't kid yourself that you can go. The crisis will drive you to Christ. Let's go back to the Israelites <laughs> at the Red Sea. The crisis there caused them to go against God. Mm-hmm. Not for God. They didn't trust themselves to God. They cried out against God, and so that's part of our sinful nature. Is and you accuse had, God, right? And then they had a they had a preacher, right, that told them, "Shut up <laughs> and watch God work. He's done it before. He's going to do it again." And conti- he made a promise to you. He's going to make well on that promise. Mm-hmm. Of course, the sad part of that story is they cross the Red Sea. They get on the other side. They celebrate. And how long does it take before they're accusing God again? Is it days? <laughs> yeah, it's not weeks. It's days. Days. Yeah. We're hungry again. We're, We're thirsty. thirsty again. <laughs> Did you bring us over here to die? Again? No, I meant for you to die on the other side. But oh, God split right. the Red oh, Sea. Oh, how we wish that we had onions so, and leeks and that, whatever the heck meat pots are. Yeah, so... Yeah, the point is we are very, very, very shallow in terms of remembering what God has already done for us. 
none of us, I'm telling nobody's listening to this is about to have their first crisis. Right. God has brought you through this crisis and this one and this one and this one and this one and this one. And here comes another one and we think God got surprised. Where are you, God? How could you let this happen to me? Instead of saying, God, here it is. Let's do it again. Get, get me Let's through this. Go. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't think like that. No. Well, because humans, again, human, to go back to what we were talking about before, humans' natural inclination not only is to turn away from God, but it's also to turn away from suffering. And following Jesus, suffering is, is such a it, – it's part of following Jesus is suffering. And so – we don't want to suffer, and so we will look to anything and anyone that will cause the least amount of suffering. So why don't we behave right? And he gives a couple reasons here, bottom of 28. First, we are nervous about quietness or rest. This is a personality thing. So I'm going to tell a Vita Crystal story. First time, we will get you there. I will... I will cause the synod to send you there if I have to, but for your own good. <laughs> He's pointing his finger at, at it. Nick, <laughs> yes. So they get all these men together, 40 or so guys, and say, we're putting you under um, a ban of silence from now until the next morning. And I'm thinking, my personality type, oh, thank you, God. Because I don't want to talk or interact with any of these that's people because I don't know I was, them. Yeah, that's how I was. Too. And other people were actually, I, I don't know if I can do this. Um, so, um, so he talks about some people, m- many people, are not comfortable being alone with themselves when other people, he doesn't say this, but I'm saying it, other people would rather be alone with themselves <laughs> than out with other people. But he says, first, we are nervous about quietness or rest. We are so used to restlessness and noise that we feel uncomfortable in the stillness. Wow, you're writing your paper for the seminary that you don't really need to go to. He's not going to let I'm up. asking you, I'm not going to let up until the day you go, and then I'm going to come after you. Then, how often do you turn on the TV or the radio or both in order to fill the silence as you're writing on or reading for your that's an example of modern-day restlessness with quiet. Right? Yeah, I usually put on background music or just something to break the silence. Yeah, yeah. Something without w- words for me, typically. Yeah. Or something that I can listen to or mindlessly. Like if right. I'm, like if I'm working at home, I can put on a, I can put on a TV show that I've seen a thousand times because I don't need to pay attention to it. It's just video wallpaper, as I like to call Bump it. Bump and see your favorite scene when it comes up. Well, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, because then the, then the ears perk up, and you're like, yep. oh, there's Ray Barone. Oh, yep. there's Doug Heffernan. Oh, there's Steve Carell. Okay, so, and he says, and therefore we run away from rest. We chase from one event to another, lest for a moment we find ourselves face-to-face with ourselves alone. The next sentence I think is very telling because I think this is very true, but I don't think very many people admit it or know it. We are afraid to look at ourselves in the mirror. I think he means by that we're afraid to see ourselves as we truly are. Yep. Right. I prefer my, I don't, I don't know social media, but so many people prefer their image on social media to the reality of actual life and who they are. Um, and I think this is just getting worse. Right. Yeah. 
Well, it to me this reminds me of um, this reminds me of life together. The the man who is uh, who's alone with his sin is completely and utterly alone, and so uh, looking in the mirror, you realize just how alone that you can potentially be, especially if you if you aren't in a relationship with Christ, if you have been running, if you have been rejecting and, and you're at a point where everything else has left you and it's just you and you look in that mirror and you see you for who you truly are and you say, holy smokes, I'm alone, but I'm actually not alone because I have this huge monster that's lur- you know, lurking over my right shoulder and my left shoulder and from you know underneath my foot and I'm around, repping around my side. And so maybe I'm not alone. I'm alone with this thing that is seeking to devour me. And so that there is there is loneliness, and then there's there's alone with your sin, and that's that's a loneliness. Yeah, that an, an, another way to say it, I agree with what you said. Another way to say it is, I prefer the image I've created of myself to yeah. actu- my actual self. Yep. And so you probably didn't watch SpongeBob, did you? Yeah. Remember the episode? Uh, sorry. Okay. Where's <laughs> the juvenile part? Right. Remember the episode where he goes to rock bottom and he says, <laughs> "He says this isn't just darkness. This is what? This is oh, oh. advanced darkness. Yeah, this, this is <laughs> advanced darkness. <laughs> we are bored with ourselves. So I'm struggle with that sentence. You think? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that." So you could divide the universe, Western culture, in universe into two parts, those who don't want their picture taken and those who love having their picture taken as I'm not looking at Tyler. <laughs> uh, my mother was one of those. She never, you know, you put family picture, hands up, right? Uh, I'm not inclined to spend more than three seconds looking at myself in the mirror in the morning. probably shows. Other people spend an hour getting ready. Mm-hmm. I'm not accusing you. Don't take an hour. <laughs> I know you're married now. She won't give you that much bathroom tr- time. That is true. <laughs> but let's see. We had to be out the door. We had to be out the door. I picked you up and picked you up at five forty-five. Picked up John at six thirty on Monday. I if I had to be out my door at five forty, I was up and out of bed at five twenty-five. That's that was. Uh, that's about how long I need if if I need it. The night before, brush your teeth the night before. No, but I'll tell you what I do do. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> what I <laughs> I tell you what I do is I put my toothbrush and my toothpaste in the shower. And so as I'm showering, I brush my on teeth. On the brush? Too. You put the toothpaste on the brush? No, 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 no. No, <laughs> okay. no I put the tube the toothpaste. I have my own toothpaste. So Of course you do. Have, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have a special toothpaste because I have dental gum things that I'm working through. So, Brandy doesn't want that. Anyway, long, <laughs> get, let's get doesn't, back. Doesn't want to share in your suffering. Okay. <laughs> no, she doesn't. So he says it's often the most miserable and miserable and fruitless hour when we have to be alone with ourselves. Yeah, agree with that. It's not only fear of being with ourselves, facing up to who we are and our need to be cleansed, but far more we are afraid to be alone with God, lest he disturb 
our aloneness and discover us and deal with us. We fear that he will draw us into, well, this is so Bonhoeffer, he's even hit, he hasn't hit his stride yet, but he's saying this. He, we're afraid he will draw us into a one-to-one relationship and chide us according to his will. Maybe we should talk about that sentence. Yeah. Why would we be afraid to have God draw us into a one-on-one relationship and chide us? Uh, not a word we use much. Chide, maybe reprimand us. Well, he's he's going to do exactly what's happening outside right now to us. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna rip us up and make him into who he wants us to be. And it, so, so much to the point that he knows that we can't do it, and so he puts his himself in us to make that happen. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll put it differently. Might probably get in trouble in the seminary, but he looks at you and says, "This is who you are. This is who I want you to be." Um, not in terms of salvation or justification. This is who I want you to be. And this is how you, this is what you need to do. This is how, what must change and for, for you to become that person, to be fruitful in my kingdom, which is the last thing we want to hear is that we have to change anything. Yeah. Um, can't you accept me just as I am? Oh, like the song? <laughs> well. That's, let's get some clarification with that. We, Jesus does accept you for who you are, right? We come to Jesus, we don't, it's the it's the classic. We don't need to change anything about ourselves to get to Jesus, right? We don't do because Jesus comes to us just as we are, right? We don't have to change anything to make ourselves more appealing to Jesus so that He'll come to us. However, with all that being said, there is a there's a what lawyer talk. The lawyers always say all these beautiful things about you, and then they say, however, or nevertheless. <laughs> nevertheless. With that, I'll, Which means it, cancel everything I I'll just said. I'll be it, or let it be. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, how's that? Nonetheless, um, there's a great saying that I heard once in one of my seminary courses. It was one of, my, one of the guys in my class. He said that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. That's a Protestant mantra, by the way. I was going to say that. Yeah. Not a Lutheran mantra, but a nope. Protestants will say right. That. But it's but it's true, and that's why that's why so many organizations, um, like one that's near and, and dear to me, get accused all the time of. Is it that time again? <laughs> oh, I feel like a fudge sickle. Thicker, <laughs> run out and get us some fudge sickles. <laughs> Would you have Klondike bars at Saint Steve? I don't know. They might have ate them all the last time. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's okay. Um, so that's why organizations that that don't emphasize uh, discipleship as much as maybe we do, why they say and they're accused of antinomianism, or uh, because they that's what's that classic case of they we were talking about this at the convention. You get on the horse, but you've got so much momentum that you just fall off the other side. So you want to hold true to the fact that you don't have to do anything to make you acceptable to God. And that is that is certainly the case when it comes to your salvation. But there is the expectation that that when you are in that relationship with Christ, that you have been changed, that the Spirit has uh, is working in you, and now He's doing it. There is the expectation that you are going to be a quote-unquote better person, but you never actually get better. So 
that's why there's always that com- that ongoing conversation that happens of yes, we do good works. Yes, we follow Jesus and do quote unquote the best that we can. How's this? However, <laughs> that's not even you doing it though. It's the it's the Spirit doing it. It's like you're off the hook. You really are off the hook because it's the Spirit that is cultivating that in you and working through you and changing your desires and doing those things. And the things that you, how does Paul say it? The things that you want to do, you're the one, you actually don't do it. But the difference is that before Christ, you didn't even want to do those things. But now you want to do it. You just don't because you still have that sinful nature and you still have that dire and desperate need for repentance and to continuously be crucified and resurrected. Yeah, so here, departing from here, but heading deeper into where Bonhoeffer is headed in his life. Did God really say, take up your cross and follow me? Did he really say that? When's the last time, audience, you heard that from a pulpit? Not the question, but the the statement, take up your cross and follow me. Because it sounds like what? Works. Sounds like work. Right, exactly. And that's why... That's why discipleship doesn't often get preached from the... We talked about this last week. It's why discipleship doesn't often get preached from the pulpit either is because you, you don't want to err and uh, and come off sounding like you're doing this in order to please God when the reality is, is that discipleship and doing things is actually merely a result of what has happened in your life. And it's the spirit now grabbing a hold of you and doing it through you. And you can resist it, which we do all the time. And so we go back to the table, go back to the altar. You go back to that, you get refreshed, you get renewed, you get strengthened, and continue on. What kind of marriage would it be if after you said, I do, you say to your now wife, I'm going to live my life like I did before. I'm going to keep my apartment, car, fishing habits, I'll wave at you whenever I see you, um, and if I need you, I'll call you. Um, well, because that's exactly how we treat Christ. Yeah, that's not going to go well. That's not a... Jesus is more forgiving than the average wife. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that yeah. one. Yeah. Nice try. And husband, too. The second reason is that we... is He's talking... First of all, he's talking to a German congregation, which I would guess was an excellent example of dead orthodoxy, mm-hmm. right? That's another Lutheran term. What does dead orthodoxy mean, Nick? Um, Supposedly died in the 1600s, but it's over the place. Right, dead orthodoxy, at least the way I've, I've heard it used, is, um, you know, we have all this great doctrine and, and teachings um, in, in, the, in the Lutheran faith, but we don't do anything. It's just... You listen to it in church, and then you you live a life that is contrary to it, or as if it doesn't matter in your life. Yeah, we might in modern day call it compartmentalization. Yeah, which we've talked about lots and, of times. Yeah. yeah, recently too. But yeah, so these are these are businessmen in Spain who are prosperous and building lives and living the what did Marta say the Come on, say it. Say it for me. Viva. <laughs> Viva la vida loca. <laughs> yeah. 
Is that Marta? That sounds or is that very Ricky? white. <laughs> Marta, Marta or Martin, as in Ricky Martin. No, Marta. So, which means what? Live the live the crazy life. Yeah, wild live life. the wild life. Do what you can do while you can still do it. Yeah. So here is for a second cause. He's saying to do what's required requires you to have some. Uh, another word Lutherans hate foundation and piety oh yeah which we yeah, don't we have ta- we thought that got brought up at convention yesterday with this with regard to the discipleship and uh-huh. how he someone said so, so he said something about pietists and president-elect Davis says are, do, you, do you have a problem with piety <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "What? Like, are we not supposed to be pious people? Not, in the, not in the sense of like this is all that we do, but like, are you not supposed to be in your Bible? Are you not supposed to be in prayer? Are you not supposed to be in meditation? Like, what are you, what are you doing here?" I, I thought it was funny because his reaction was like, "Are, are, are we? Are, are, like, <laughs> it was so funny." Okay. As Pastor Mike would say, as Lutherans in the Missouri Synod, we are high church pietists. <laughs> that's that's what <laughs> that's we are. Right. <laughs> we should be at least. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, you, you said if you want to shut up a Lutheran, tell him he's a pietist, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's even better than racist. Well, Because <laughs> we all walk away. As soon as they're called pietists, lost the argument, I got to go. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> piety does not equal pietism. Right. Pietism is all about how I live my religious life indicates whether I am a true Christian or not. Correct. As opposed to piety, which is simply how I live my life in Christ, Mm -hmm. period. Um, It's personal. So if you're one who wants to wake up at four in the morning and pray for three hours, read your Bible before you go to bed for an hour, that's your personal piety. When you try to uh, organize that and enforce it on other people, people that's pietism okay simple so so his second reason is we don't even know how to be alone with god we don't know what to do how to do it then he says perhaps we made a start once but how quickly we gave up we say we're not in the mood (laughs) (laughs) don't laugh So I'm going to skip a sentence. So we wait until the mood comes to us. I'm paraphrasing. Except guess what? It never comes. Right. right? So then we wait and we wait often for years, perhaps all our lives, until we are in the mood and become religious. That's a great plan, right? That's right. Behind this way of thinking lies a great deception which he boils down to, God is not dependent on our mood. Right. Thank goodness. God is not sitting up there <laughs> waiting to talk to us when we're in the mood. Because he knows we'll never be <laughs> right. in the mood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I'm I'm incredibly grateful that that's, that God is not, this is, this is where we get in, Pat had a great, great discussion. I know he's preparing, a, I know he's preparing a sermon which is uh, being supervised and uh, walked through by his pastor. So uh, don't get Deacon Pat in trouble. Um, <laughs> so what he was talking about, you know, the, the concepts of, you know, following your feelings, following your heart. And uh, Jeremiah is, is very clear that God searches the heart. And 
and then he finds that the, the heart is actually wicked and deceitful above all things. And, and so if we follow our heart, follow our feelings, follow our emotions, um, and if, if, if we do that, not only are we going to be in trouble because we are going to just going to draw us to wicked and to evil things, not only that, but God won't come to us. God's not drawn to, to evil and wicked. Well, I guess he is, but he's drawn to it in judgment. And so for, for us to say that, well, in my heart, I feel God in my heart and this, that, and the other thing. And okay, I can understand what you're saying, but at the same time, I also know, and I'm grateful that God is not going to say, well, Nick's not, Nick's feeling a little, (laughs) you said blue, Nick's feeling a little blue today. So, you know what, I'm going to let him, uh, I'm going to wait till he's in a better mood. I'm going to wait till he's a little more cheery. And then I'll, then I'll come to him and tell him that he's, that he's forgiven. No, God is drawn to the brokenhearted. He is, he is, saves the crushed in spirit and, and that's because that is who God is. He doesn't wait for us to be on good terms with him or in the mood, as Dietrich says, which now every time that I hear that, it's going to be ruined. But he doesn't wait He doesn't wait for us because, as I've said on this podcast before, I'm going to double down on it. God doesn't care about your feelings. Yeah. Next paragraph, he's saying, I'm just going to boil this down, it doesn't work in the real world. If painters only painted when they are in a mood, right? If composers only compose when they are uh-huh. in a mood, it, I'm just going to expand that. So, if bricklayers only laid bricks when they were in the mood, you know, where would we be? It's a disaster, right? If maybe that's maybe that's why the the construction workers um, why it hey, always takes, they're in the mood. Why it always takes so long to get a darn road fixed that <laughs> because they're never in the mood. Well, it's that, and they're not paid for actually accomplishing. They're paid to be doing. So, oh. if only we had government that could fix that. So, the next paragraph, he says that communication, communication. with God must be practiced. He's he's going to say it a little later. It's a discipline. What's the difference between a discipline and uh, doing something because you want to? Um. You like I'm, not in, the mood, or being I'm not in the mood of nursing my baby today. Okay. Well, you do it. You do it anyway, though, because it's required, right, to keep your baby alive, right? Right. Um, especially with the food shortage. But I, the whole idea of it says that must be practice. I, I don't think you know. He's not saying practice in the sense of like you go out and practice your free throws, right? He's saying it's practice, like it it's, needs to be done. It needs to be done over and over and over again. So he's not at all saying that because I think when you when you take the word practice, it sounds like Allen Iverson. Remember that? Remember that? Uh, that video? Do you remember that practice? We're talking about practice, not the game. Practice. You don't remember that? Anyway, so he's not talking about practice in the sense of practice makes perfect. What he's talking about is must be practiced, must be done, must be continuously done. Because you're never going to perfect anything. You're never going to perfect anything. God does that. But you do it. You communicate with God. And the more and more disciplined you are, the more and more habitual that it becomes, then the the less of a strain that it becomes, right? So, I'm sorry. Sports analogy. I just gave was sports analogy. Uh, not as clear as mine will be. Oh. <laughs> All right. What does a new coach almost always do when he shows up? 
runs them back to fundamentals. What do the players not want to do? Fundamentals. The fundamentals, yeah. Why do, why do the coaches drive them back to fundamentals? Because they are fundamental. Because they're fun. That's yeah. what my coach used oh, to okay. say. No, they're fundamentals f- are fun. So it must be practiced. Otherwise, when he surprises us, we are unable to find the right word, right language, and the right tone. We must learn God's language, learn it the hard way with much work, so that when we are able to speak to him, which is always, even prayer must be practiced. And with great earnestness. He's not saying this, I'm saying this, but I think that's a very good reason to pray the Psalms because yep. you're praying God's Word. Yep. Uh, He's already put the words on your, on, mm-hmm. in the book and on your mouth. Sometimes you have to tinker with them a little bit. You might say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some of them are personal, but mm-hmm. others you have to take the we out, I think, and say, I... Sure. But there's still God's word. Yeah. And so then he talks about failure. Failure. Where we are the micro I, I don't even think people are that microwavy anymore, but we want instant results, right? I knelt, I prayed, I spent ten minutes before God, asked him for X and Y and Z, and I didn't get it yet. What a failure. You know, I don't think I'll ever do that again. So what is Dietrich saying instead? Um, like, like God work on his time. Yeah. He because he knows his time is better than yours. Um, it's the it's the classic. Okay, how does God answer prayer? He'll either answer yes, no, or wait. You you wait for that answer, and just because God doesn't give in to you instantaneously, doesn't mean that he's not. It could mean that he's not, but again, God works and does what he wants, not what do you want. So part of prayer is aligning yourself to... Yep, we yep, we talked, I was just going to yeah. say that too, we talked about that last week. I would also say when you, you know, you pray and you don't, God doesn't answer you instantly, we're also supposed to be persistent in prayer, um, like the persistent widow parable that Jesus says. Sometimes not, God's not going to answer you, but it doesn't mean you stop praying. Oh, you mean take First Thessalonians five? Is it five? Pray without ceasing. Yeah, take it take seriously. That seriously? <laughs> what? Right. Take God's word seriously. Yes, God says wait. God says no. I'm gonna take that wait apart just a little bit and say, sometimes to answer your prayer, He has to move on the hearts of someone else yeah. to obey Him. Maybe you're praying for a child you can adopt, and God is working on the heart of a pregnant woman to not abort her baby, but put the baby up for adoption. Yeah. It, it's not micro, that's not a microwave thing. That's, that's, that's days, thing. weeks, months right. have to happen, maybe even a year or two, to cause that prayer to be answered and God unite you with this child you're about to adopt. Yeah, or... They're gonna fall out of heaven into your crib. Or the stork. Or the stork. Well, I think part of that. Cabbage leaves. Well, I think part of that too, because my wife and I have been having this conversation, and you know, we we've been we've been praying for praying for children, and God hasn't granted us that yet, and so part of that might be, you know, God's fully fully intending on giving us kids, but He wants us to be ready for that, (laughs) and maybe we're not ready, even though we think that we are. Maybe God has 
where there's something that's going to happen, obviously, that God knows about that we don't know yet, that he wants us to be able to go through it, just the two of us, and we're waiting for that. I don't, obviously, I don't know, but that's why we continue to pray for it so that when other things come up, like Dietrich says, we're ready to continue to pray for that thing as well. Praying, praying is not a foreign concept. It's something that it's habitual. It's something that we're regularly to do. And this is not something that we do because we're pietists. This is just what the Christian does. He's in relationship with his father, right? This is... Do you trust God when God is not doing your will? That's the question. Deep sigh. (laughs) Yeah. Wait. (sighs) Yeah. So he says, next to the last paragraph, all beginnings are difficult. That's true. One may understand this and, and at the start find it quite empty. Here I am. I'm doing this approach to God. I'm spending time alone. I'm reading his word. I'm praying. And he hasn't split the skies open yet. Um, no burning bush. Uh, no 50-foot Jesus has appeared before me. <laughs> and it makes us want to give up. Yeah. But he says, but that emptiness does not stay. Yeah. But it requires persistence. Persistence, because if you stop, then that's all it will ever be is emptiness. Right. So. He says, he says, persist, and before long the soul awakes and begins to gain strength. Then comes the eternal rest, which is found in the love of God. Then the troubles and the distress are silenced. The unrest and the hatred, the alarms and the cries, the tears and the anxieties are stilled and in the presence of God. He says, quoting the psalmist again, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. And then he goes back, and that leads us to the, to the end quote there from Augustine, where he says, You have created us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So God has created us so that we would find delight in him. So to be Luther, you might want to hit pause here because I'm probably going to stump him. Let's see. Explanation to the second article tells us what our purpose in life is. That, that I might be his, be his own. own and serve under him in all blessed holy. With him in his kingdom. With him in his kingdom. Serve him in everlasting righteousness, blessedness. And I forgot the last word. So that is not what we think our purpose is. Right. And so if we align ourselves to God's purpose for us, then we can be the one that Augustine talks about. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a long process to realize my life, the reason my life is upset and restless is because I've not brought myself to the only true rest. I'm too busy trying to fix my life or fix your life or, you know. Or the true rest is there and you're just like, no, I'm going to try to, I, I like this one better. This this it's like kind of like mattress shopping, right? Uh-huh. This one seems to be more comfortable. Oh, this one's more. This one's less expensive. This one doesn't cost me my life. This one. Have you been mattressing shopping? Mattress shopping yet? Because <laughs> it's yet. hilarious. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, I like this one. I don't like it. Oh, right. oh, I hate this one. Oh, I love this one. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you have to get the one that your wife likes because more important than yours. Right. Well, that is true. <laughs> at least in our house, it is.
Which is fine. I, as long as Brady's because, happy. Because, you know, if she hasn't slept well, you're going to be miserable. <laughs> that is true. All right. Do you have any any other final, either one of you have any more uh, final comments? Uh, we're going to be breaking this episode up into two parts. So do you have anything else you wanted to add for either so one of you? I just, yeah, I think we need to come to grips with that. That's essentially the problem of this he's presenting in the sermon is. This is the, 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 the law that, or the trouble that yeah, he's presenting here is. is we can't find, he says, it is a law of the world that it cannot give rest and peace. Only in God is there stillness and peace. Mm-hmm. But we have to learn that, like everything else, the bloody hard way. Sure. And we may actually go to the grave without having, Christians may well go to the grave without ever having learned that yeah. um, the world doesn't give that kind of peace or stillness or rest. Yeah. Anything else from you? You don't have any more opinions with the Psalms? You sad that you missed the district convention? No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, everyone, we appreciate you you listening. We thank you for uh, sticking around for this two part episode. When you listen to this uh, this conclusion, you will uh, hopefully be at the end of the of the two parts. So, we thank you for coming back for the conclusion of this discussion. Uh, make sure you go to our website, guys. Uh, with lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff. New videos from uh, from the district website that are up on the website. One featuring featuring Vicar Nick uh, and kind of his learn learnings and his takeaways from from his time here at the Family of God. There's also an awesome video highlighting a couple of our volunteers, what it's like to volunteer and why you should volunteer. And uh, just really awesome. Our, our district media guy Jeff Eisner has done a really good job. Uh, with with these videos and since they weren't played at the district convention that's another uh, topic for another day and my frustration with that but that's okay um it, we wanted to still make that available and show that to you guys as well so uh, make sure you go and check that stuff out uh, we love all of you we thank you so much for all of your support continuing as we approach 100 episodes uh, here in the next couple of couple of weeks we hit episode 100 i don't you're not going to be here anymore so maybe we'll have you like come on in or we'll have you like zoom in or skype in or something for uh for that but um anyway have a great week with hope you guys had a great fourth of july or having a good fourth of july Uh, we will talk with you after after all of that uh, when maybe things are slowing down a little bit and uh hopefully it's not going to be 90 degrees as you're listening to this but anyway go with god's peace today and always if no one has told you yet god loves you and so do we Take care, everybody. Ah, that's better. This isn't your average everyday darkness. This is advanced darkness. Hey, if I close my eyes, it doesn't seem so dark. (laughs) That's that's what it's like to be alone in your sin. Advanced darkness. If I close my eyes, if I turn away, it doesn't seem so bad. (laughs) Yeah, you have PhD in darkness, right?